I had a enjoyable time in my study, and I hope I have something to share. Several years ago, a couple of people called Nancy and I. They were caught in a winter storm on Interstate 84, and they needed a place to stay. And they called up, and we said, sure, drop by. We have a place for you. Well, it turned out that they were some young, very young children when we knew them down in, in Malin. And they said, by way of introduction, my dad is, my mom is, do you remember them? And we said, of course we remember them. They're our friends down there. And by way of introduction, I said that to say this. We are absolutely dependent upon our Father for all our needs. And these people knew, they hoped, and they felt very confident that they'd have a place to stay because we knew their Father. <coughs> we had a relationship with their Father. And we're in the same boat. We need to go in on the train of our Father. We need to be caught in his apron. <laughs> caught under his apron. Now, <clears throat> the verse that we'd like to deal with tonight is verse 3 of the first chapter. And we spoke a little bit last week about that word blessed and how valuable it is to us. And uh, as I was studying, I just thought, I, I wonder, how, how would we view this book or this phrase if we had never heard that a, apocalypse meant imminent destruction of the world. If we'd never heard that, how would we view this book? I think we'd probably view it a lot different. And I, I had to get some soap and water out tonight in my study and slosh around a little bit because uh, uh, when we hear things are close or things are near or things are, as we do right here twice very, very closely in here, I have to get the soap and water out and wash some of the old things that I used to hold and hope that I don't pay much attention to them anymore because there's more in this book than prediction. This is the book of the Lamb. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's going to be some things shared in here that no doubt lay in the future. Some have already no doubt taken place and some are in the process of being taken place. But that's not the issue. The issue is the Lamb of God, our Savior, victorious over all our enemies and over every enemy of God. That's the issue. And every time we see those things laid out, we're going to see him smashing them. He is going to overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave for our good, for our glory, and for his glory. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto them to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches of Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was 
and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and made and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now we're going to stop there, and we want to spend a little time on verse 3, but there's three or four verses I'd like to read with regard to that word blessed that we started with. And the first one again, take, go with me back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, and this is such a, a, a glorious blessed that the Lord Jesus Christ shared with the apostle Peter when Peter made that confession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, here in Matthew chapter 16, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ shares with the Apostle Peter, you didn't come up with that on your own. You didn't realize that on your own. It wasn't something that you learned. Now, you may have heard that, just like a lot of people thus far that we have met have heard the reading of that verse of Scripture and still walk away and wonder, what is it talking about? The Apostle Peter walked away and says, I know what it's talking about, because the Lord Jesus Christ said, Blessed, Matthew chapter 16, and there verse 17, the Scriptures share this, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So the Apostle Peter was thankful, glad, blessed, and all these things, but he couldn't walk away and say, I got that on my own. And we read there the, uh, Sunday, uh, we have learned if we're going to glory, glory in the Lord. He's going to make us come to that conclusion. We will glory in him and not in ourselves. We won't glory in our ways, our works, our attitudes. We'll glory in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will give us victory. He's promised that. Now, uh, one other verse of Scripture I want to read is found in Romans chapter 4. As we think about this word blessed, and it is a, a grand word, it's like revelation. <laughs> the revelation of Jesus Christ. Blessed. Romans chapter 4, verse 7, the Scriptures share this. And every believer just... I just can, I'm convinced that in our heart, we shout every time we hear this verse of Scripture, every time we read it, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Uh, verse 7, excuse me. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I can shout over that. I can just get excited over that, to know that God has forgiven me and put away all my sin and will not impute sin to me. I can understand what it means to be blessed. That's a good thing. It's happy. God's people can be happy over that. We can be happy over the fact that flesh and blood did not reveal the truth to us, but the Father which is in heaven. And that's really the truth that's revealed to us. And then as we read over here in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth. Same word and same attitude that can be given to us. And we're going to come up with the same outcome that the apostle Peter came up with when the Lord Jesus Christ shared with him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you. This came from God. 
Now, as we read there in verse 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I hope by the end of this evening, we will see that these are all impossible things. We cannot do them. And so we must depend on the Lord to do them for us. There are four verses that I want to share with you that just share with us where we stand on all these truths. Turn with me, first of all, to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Book of Philippians. There are four verses that we want to share tonight that we'll just share. We come along here, we say, the Bible says we're going to be blessed if we read. Have you read this all the time? Are you a consistent reader of the Word of God? I'm ashamed. I get to ruminate on it. I get to think about it. But a consistent reader, I'm ashamed. Are, are we, do we hear the words always? And do we keep them? My goodness. There was, a, there was a Pharisee that says, I've kept all that from my youth up. And Jesus said in his heart, you're a liar. <laughs> you are an out and out liar. You have not kept these from your youth up. Go sell all you have and give to the poor. And he went away very sad because he was very rich in himself. We don't read it like we should. We don't hear it like we should. And we don't keep it like we should. We can't. We're human beings standing before God as human uh, descendants of Adam. And we are, in a, we are in need. We are in need that God has done this for us. And that he is reading it so we can hear it and understand it. And he's keeping it for us. We just are so dependent upon the Lord. We're going to walk away and say... Thank you, Lord. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Every truth we've ever seen, that's the key to it. Now, here in the book of Philippians, chapter, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, we read these words. I can do all things. Have you ever heard that? Well, let's read the rest of the verse. <laughs> I can do all things, yes, but it is con contingent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, the scriptures share this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can't do it on my own. I can't get the job done. I'm going to be lost if I have to depend on myself. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He's the ability giver. He's the one that gives us the ability to keep what is necessary. We find, we're going to read several times in the book of 1 John, you must keep his commandments. I sunk down in my chair tonight. Keep his commandments? I know someone who has. The Lord Jesus Christ has kept all the commandments. He has kept all the word. I'm going to sit in his lap and say, I know him. I know him. He's mine. I know him. And he said he'd keep it on my behalf. I want to sit in his lap. All right? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Oh, I love this one. You, have you ever done all the will of God? I sat down in my, I just, I'm crunched down in my chair because I started reading this. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Hallelujah. I saw victory already. 
God doing it. God performing it. God giving the ability. I'm just sitting in the Lord Jesus Christ and riding along in Him. It is God that gives us the ability to keep His law because He's kept it on our behalf. We just get to ride in Him. It's not us, it's Him. As we read here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And then if you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. There's hope. This, we're going to read, we're going to hear, and we're going to keep, but we're going to do it in Christ Jesus our Lord. We just can't get the job done. We can't satisfy it. If God says there's a law, you've got to read, you've got to hear, and you've got to keep. We might as well go fishing if we don't have outside sources because we just can't get it done. We're unable. With the, the most pious person that's ever lived on this earth, person, man, sitting somewhere in his monastery, somewhere reading the Bible all the time and praying all the time, still can't get the job done. Because it's a job God alone is going to perform on the behalf of his people. We are his citizens. We are under his care. He is the chicken and we're the chicks. <laughs> He's going to take care of us. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. The scriptures share this, and I'm glad he starts with this premise about being the elect. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Godhead is represented. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father chose a people before the foundation of the world. God the Son says, I will lay down my life, a ransom for him. And God the Holy Spirit says, I'll go out and find every last one of them. And everyone will have a place to be when we get into glory. And no seats will be left over. And there won't be anybody standing along the wall. God has it worked out for his glory, his honor, and his praise, but he's the one that is doing it. And then it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. Well, have you been watching the stock market lately? <laughs> be careful. Have you watched the dollar with the, Ameri with the world uh, monies? We're at par with Canada right now, dollar for dollar. I mean, our dollar just sliding across the money market. There is no stability, <laughs> but there is an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, what is our inheritance? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our inheritance. He's reserved in heaven for us. Now he has a lot of goodies to go with it. Now notice here in verse 5. We who are kept by the power of God. We're kept by the power of God. We're not out here in the ocean with no help. We're not out in this world left alone. 
God has not left us alone. He is with us. He walks beside us. He cares for us. He upholds us. He carries us. He is the one that preserves us and preserves us spotless. He is the one that has all the interests. And if he loses one, it's his name. If we're lost, we, we knew it all along. But if he loses one, it's his name. His purpose of grace. It says there who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And then Hebrews. Would you back up just a little bit to the book of Hebrews? We are in a, we're taken care of. We're taken care of. Don't fret. God's people are taken care of. They are put into a position where they will be able to do all that is required because the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled all that is required. He took upon himself every requirement and has imputed that to every one of his children. We read there about Abraham paying tithes to, to Melchizedek. What really happened? Levi paid tithes in, Mel, in Abraham to Melchizedek. It was to his account, and the Lord Jesus Christ has paid our account. So when we get over there and we read, blessed are you that read and hear and keep, all those are imperative things. We're, it's, not, it's not an option. It's not an option. It's imperative. It's necessary. It is absolutely essential. And then you find out, all of God's sheep, he has enable them by his grace to do all of that in him. Now Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. I like this. I like thinking about being to the uttermost. What's it say? Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now uttermost means absolute. <laughs> He is able to save to the uttermost. There's nowhere that he hasn't saved. He hasn't, there's nowhere in us or around us that he has not saved us. So he's able to save to the uttermost. So when we get over here to the book of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, and it says, all happy are those people who keep this and read this and hear this and keep this. And then we find out, you know, I can remember when I wasn't, hearing and I can remember what I wasn't reading and part of that was today and yesterday was really bad and tomorrow could be just as serious I'm so glad that there's someone standing in my place that I can call ahead and say uh do you remember my father <laughs> he's the one that has taken care of me okay now let's look at this we are blessed. We are happy. We have the blessed spiritual blessings of the Lord. And every spiritual blessing is found in Christ Jesus. And every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, who, with whom there is no shadow or variableness of turning found in James. I mean, everything is in Christ. And he funnels it to us. He just puts it on us. Every spiritual blessing is ours. And part of every spiritual blessing is he gives us the ability to read and enjoy. And even when we're not reading, we're reading because he has read it for us. 
We get to enjoy reading when we're not even reading. Because it is not a physical thing, it is a spiritual thing. We get to read the rich blessings of Christ Jesus, and the world can't even read the language that we get to read it in. It's a spiritual language. It's a spiritual blessing that God gives to us. It is Him allowing us to see Him, and we get to do it on His behalf, and we're just returning what He's given to us. We get to read the Lord Jesus Christ, and happy is the people that get to do that. And then it says, we get to hear. Now, it's not this hearing. I heard a lot of word read. I... I had people find fault with me because I told them I never heard the gospel until I heard the gospel in 1986. Now, people say, well, you heard the gospel. I didn't. Never heard it. There were words said. It was thunder. Just thunder. Never made any, any approach to me. But when I heard the gospel, when God opened up my heart, when God brought me off of a cold slab, when he brought me out of the tomb, when I heard the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a hearing in a language I'd never heard before. It was a hearing. He hit my heartstrings. He gave me life so I could hear him. It's, it's a blessing to read him, but to hear him... And then it goes on to say here in verse 3, and keep. Now that's, I was sitting there, I really, my, I did go to sleep, but my face did hit the, the desk. <laughs> but I got, how in the world am I going to keep something? I can't even read it enough, and I, I don't hear it enough, and you expect me to keep it? And then it just all fell into place. He's kept it he's kept it it's his whole purpose of grace is to keep it for his children to keep every jot and every tittle for his children to keep all the law for his children to keep all the word of god for his children they are in error but he is perfect and he has kept every bit for him for us and it is a keeping that is not us doing it it's not the physical realm Oh, we can keep a door and we can keep awake and we, you know, but this is far surpassing that. It is spiritual. It is down where we don't even know. It is a keeping that God gives to us and it is a keeping. Now, uh, I, I would like you to turn with me over here to the book of, to the book of, um, hmm, Matthew 12. There are 10 or 11 times this phrase is used in Scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with a group of Pharisees, by and large. And as we heard, I think it was this last Sunday, those Pharisees knew the word. Physical word. We had a man at camp one time. He could quote more Scripture than I think I, could, I have ever read. <laughs> no. He could quote books. I could quote verses. He could quote chapters. I could quote... Chapters, he could quote books, but he didn't know the first thing about what it meant. It was all uh, a pride thing. Let me show you what I've learned. Let me show you what I've learned. Well, I'll tell you what, I would rather understand 
have one verse with understanding than 10,000 that I didn't even know what meant. One verse. Now, here in the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to a group of Pharisees, and he does this 10 or 11 times in the Scripture, but this is just an example. He says in verse 3 of the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew 12, 3, But he said unto them, Have you not read... Now, that's the same word that we find over there, and he's talking to them about something they've all read. They were very fluent in the reading of the Old Testament. Have you not read? This is kind of a... You read this, but you don't know what it's talking about. Have you not read? Now, I don't want the Lord Jesus Christ doing that to me. And he won't. Because he's going to say, I've read it for you. I've read it. It's mine to give. I, it's in a language you can't read on your own. Have you not read what David did when he was hungered and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the holy bread, the show bread, which is not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read? Now, they'd read it. Have you not read? They didn't know what it was about. They had no concept of what it was about. And this that we're reading over here, the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 3, the word means reading with understanding. And that's what the apostle Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's saying, I read with understanding. And Jesus Christ said unto you, you didn't get this out of a textbook. You didn't get this from your Sunday school teacher. Your daddy didn't teach you this, and your mama didn't teach you this. My Father, which is in heaven, revealed this to you. And if we have any understanding about the Word of God, then it's going to come that very same way. Blessed, happy is he who's been up to the trough and got fed from the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a word on a page. It's the word of God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that has fed us. I've had meat to eat that you know not of. And that same meat is given to his children when we feast on him. I have meat to eat you know not of. It's just a sustenance that goes beyond the natural ability to perceive. Feeding on Christ. And there it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear. I'd like to look at a couple of verses here. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Did you notice that? And it's several times, or seven times in two chapters this is mentioned. He that hath an ear, let him hear. We can't stop there. What the Spirit saith. Now, we read over there in John 3, in the Bible class, that the Spirit is like the wind. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Blessed is he that hears what the Spirit has to say. It's not what the preacher has to say, but what the Spirit has to say. 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now that says seven times. Now turn with me to chapter 5 and verse 11. Same word again, but the apostle John gets involved. I saw, I heard here in, in uh, uh, chapter 5 and verse 11, the scripture says, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels. What does that sound like? You've heard it, but you can't explain it. The voice of it. What is that? That's the praise to Almighty God in words that we just cannot describe. Have you ever praised the Lord and not said a word? I mean, you just, you just, I hate to use the word feeling, but that's just what it is. You've just felt so close to God and praised Him and didn't utter a word. John said in chapter 5 and verse 11, And beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and beasts and elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. I heard. I heard. And then he goes on to say, same word, verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all of them heard I saying... Now, this is what I want to hear. I want to hear the God praising God and every creature praising God. He says, I heard this blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and upon the Lamb and unto the Lamb forever and ever. I heard it. I got to hear this. Blessed is if he got to hear this. And God's people get to hear things about God that no one else ever gets to hear. There's things about God that he shares with his people that is in our heart and we cannot describe. Describe praise to God. Now we sing and we say this. We're singing praise to God. That's just a, a poor imitation of praise to God. I heard Oh, I heard it all. I heard him all praising God. And then chapter 6. Look at chapter 6. And I saw the Lamb open the seals, and I heard, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And then in that same chapter, verse 3, And when, I opened, when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. Now, what did he hear? My goodness, the sovereignty of God displayed in such a way that he heard it. Can you hear the sovereignty of God? Can you hear the glory of God? Can you hear the joy of God? Can you hear all of the great displays about God? His infinity, can you hear it? Can you hear the joy of God? Can you hear the peace of God? Can you hear it? And it, it strikes God's people to the core. They walk away and say, I've been someplace today. I've been in his presence. John mentions this several times more. I heard, I heard, I heard. And there's not a sound made. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the, this prophecy, and keep those things.
keep those things. First John chapter two. First John chapter two, and I think there's about eight or ten times very closely in this passage of scripture he uses this term. First John chapter two, verse three, and hereby we know do know that we know him. And the same word is keep there, if we keep his commandments. Hmm. I want someone to keep them for me. Because I want to know him. We'll never keep his commandments in our flesh. We'll never keep his commandments in our head. We'll never keep our commandments in us as a descendant of Adam. What does it say concerning the new covenant? I'm going to write it on their heart. And everyone shall know me. And they will keep my word. It is a benefit of the everlasting covenant. It is a benefit of the covenant of grace. It is a benefit of the new covenant that God's people can keep his word. It's not happened since Adam till God saved the first soul. All down through the ages, hundreds of thousands of millions of people had no concept of what it was to keep the word of God. God commanded it to the Jews, and he punished them when they didn't do it. And once in a while, by God's free and sovereign grace, he revealed it unto some, and they kept his word. David kept it. Sinner to the core. Abraham kept it. Solomon. Those heroes of faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, out of all the masses of people that were born on the face of the earth, none kept his word except those that he revealed himself to. And that was part of the package. I give unto you the ability to keep my word. And we don't even know we're doing it. It's given to us on the behalf of Jesus to keep his word, to keep his commandments. Now, a whole group developed sinless perfection from these verses of Scripture, which is a farce and a lie, because all God's people are going to go to their grave saying, as Paul did, oh, woe is me. In me is no good thing. In him is everything, but in me is no good thing. We're going to go to the grave saying that. We're not going to be sinless perfect except in our spirit, in our soul. That's where God has done a work. But we get to keep his commandments as a result of the covenant of grace and for no other reason. So I marked that off. Kept. Kept. Marked that off. They have heard. They have read. Kept. They have heard. Kept. And they have They've read, they've heard, and they've kept. I mark them all off. All of them have been done by my people because I've imputed that quality to them. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, just read through here. If you don't have this given to you, you're going to be a sad state because you don't know God, you don't know the Son, you, you don't love His people, 
Because this is the qualification mark. Read with me here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. Scriptures share this. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whoso keepeth his word, and in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And verse uh, chapter 3 and verse 22. Chapter 3, verse 22. Scriptures say, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. If your prayer request answered is dependent upon you keeping his commandments, how many of your prayer requests are going to be answered? <laughs> Zero. Because we don't. Can't. It's an impossible a possibility. But it's given to us on the behalf of Christ. It is our blessing in the new covenant. He will write his law on our heart and he will keep it for us. And so, blessings to behold. Throws them out. Happy are my people. Happy are my people. They look to me and they see the reader. They look to me and they see the hearer. And they look to me and they see the keeper. And everything is going to be fine. Because I'm going to do it all for my people. I am the reader. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the hearer. I've heard my Father. And I am the keeper. I've kept all the law on their behalf. And I'll keep every commandment on their behalf. And they shall love one another. And they shall love me because I'm doing it for them. And then as the Apostle John goes on to say there, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. Hallelujah. He's the reader, he's the hearer, he's the keeper. And then it says there, in the last phrase, for the time is at hand. Now I wonder what our view of that would be if we'd never heard that apocalypse means, uh-oh. <laughs> Instead of enlightened. A light to lighten the Gentiles. That's what the word comes from. Turn with me in two, three places where the same word is used and we don't think of it as, oh, oh, it's right there. We better be careful on what we're doing. Now, you, we want to be careful what we're doing. We're not stupid. My goodness, God's people are not stupid. We're not going to tempt the Lord our God we're not going to say, well, you know, I think it's really out in the future, so I'm going to go live like the devil. God's people won't do that. They're not going to. If they can, I like what Greg Umquist said, leave if you can. You can't leave. I'm not talking about leaving this church. I'm just saying, leave Christ. Leave if you can. If you can, more power to you. But you didn't know him. Didn't know him. He wasn't yours. All right. Now let's look here in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 13. Same word. Time is at hand. Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 13.
But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The word nigh is the same word as we find over there. Now, I like that. I'm brought in close by the blood of Christ. I was afar off, but I've been brought in close. And sometimes the Lord puts hooks in our jawbones and pulls us to him. Sometimes it's just simple cords of love. Whatever pleases him, he's going to do it. He knows our personality. He knows what we're going to have to have applied to us to get us to come to him. But we are brought nigh by the blood. Now that same word is found over there where it says the time is at hand. The time's close. It's time to trust Christ. It's time to praise God. It's time to have him as our reader, our hearer, and our keeper. Every day is a good day for that. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. Same word again. And came and preached peace to you that were afar off and to them that were nigh. Jews were up close, but they didn't know anything. Gentiles were afar off. He preached to them and brought them both into one pile, the church. And then Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The word at hand is the same word over there in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. The Lord is at hand. What's that mean? He's real close. He's always been close to his people. He's not in a far country. He's always been close. The Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known. Now, yes... He is close in his coming the second time. However long it is, however short it is, it's still short. And one other thing I want to read before we close, and that is found in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 14. We here have last days, last days. We're in the last days. Look at here. Acts chapter, and all the saints have agreed. We haven't disagreed with that. But it has become a phenomenon. An idiocracy has developed as a result of that. They have taken out of context and out of the Word of God, and oh, we're, we're going to set some dates. We're going. To, oh, he's right here. He's imminent. Listen to this. Acts chapter two, verse fourteen. They're having Pentecost, and it was a phenomenon, and a whole bunch of people. You got drunks in the church, and they're up there preaching. And they're speaking in another language, the wonderful works of God. And Peter steps up and he says, you know, I had a bell rang. And it brought to my attention the prophet Joel. The Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. This is what this is. And he was not spoken to in a negative way by God. He's interpreting, he's bringing to our uh, attention. Now notice here, verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be not known, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, the last days to them was 2,000 years ago to us. But it was the last days. The last days. We've been in the last days. We've been in the last days. The last days will continue until the Lord comes the second time. It shall come to pass in the last days. And this is written in the book of Joel, chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and my sons and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, I don't understand every bit of that, but I know it was fulfilled in that day. That was it. That was the last days. Joel wrote about it. Peter said, the Holy Spirit showed this to me this morning. This is what's going on right here. This is the revelation, the fulfillment of the prophet Joel in the last days. So when someone comes to you and says, "It's it, we're in the last days, when you say, yeah, you're right. That's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost, and it's been that ever since. We're in the last days. Don't spend your time worried about signs. I appreciated what we find in the scriptures. A wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign. And no sign shall be given except the prophet Jonah. As he was in the heart of the earth, or in the great fish's belly three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the sign. Was it fulfilled? Hallelujah. The resurrection. That's the only thing we got. The rest of it is conjecture, and most of it is hogwash. <laughs> the rest of it is, let's just find Christ in this book and enjoy it. He is our reader, he is our hearer, and he is our keeper. And the rest of it is just Jesus Christ showing that he is a pleasant Savior for all his people. He makes us glad. No wonder we can sit down, lay down in green pastures, because the Savior is good to his sheep. All right, we'll stop there.